Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. the Father of all good things, we give thanks this morning. Your word informs us that every good and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And though undeserving, you have showered us with blessings this week. Every heartbeat, every breath, every function of our body has been a gift from you to us. And you have created us that we may turn our hearts towards you in worship and gratitude. We are commanded in Scripture to give thanks to the Lord, to call upon his name, and to make known his deeds among the peoples. We are called to sing to him, to sing praises to him, to tell of all of his wondrous works, to glory in his name, to let the hearts of those who seek the Lord to rejoice. We're commanded to give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. To give thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, for he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing in the Lord our labor is not in vain. Father, never let us forget your goodness that is shown to us through your wonderful mercy and grace and love and forgiveness. May be glorified in our gratitude. May we give thanks eternally for all your good things. In the name of Jesus we pray. God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're continuing on in the Gospel of Mark as we look at Jesus, the Son of Man, the suffering servant. We've been looking at the title, The Authority of Jesus. Today we're looking at the touch of a king. As we finish out the first chapter of Mark 40, verse 45. Last week's passage, Mark demonstrated that Jesus has power over sickness and the supernatural. Yet his main purpose was to preach. Remember that that's of most importance. It also taught us that God is a God who heals. He's a God of justice and a God of mercy and grace. We also learned of the necessity and the humbleness that God chose in preaching The power of the gospel as it advances the kingdom of God. This week we will consider Jesus as he extends compassion to one who is in desperate need. Let's read that aloud. It's in your Bible, Mark 1, 40-45. When it says, And a leper came to him, speaking of Jesus, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. But immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. 
And I first ask just for grace that I may be able to preach this morning without much coughing and disruptions. It's been getting us quite a bit here, and so I just ask for you to just make it clear so we can concentrate on your word. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would just transport us now into your word 2,000 years in the past as we understand the plight of this man, as we understand the customs and the traditions. Father, what it means to be touched by a king, to be a leper, Lord, and then to be able to look and see what that means for us today. We need that only through the Holy Spirit who can make it possible for us to understand and respond to your word in the way that you've called us to. And Lord, may you be glorified in the preaching and the listening and the responding of your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to give you three observations as we look at this portion of Scripture. The first thing we notice right away is that the outcast hesitantly asks Jesus for healing. He hesitantly asks Jesus for healing. If you were to go and look at verse 40 again, you see that he comes to him, a leper, a man with leprosy. He implores him and kneeling says to him, If you will, you can make me clean. The leper shows both boldness and humbleness in submitting to Jesus. First, as coming to him as one who is not to approach other, but also in in humbleness in which he's kneeling and submitting himself to the Lord. Now, the man didn't doubt that Jesus could heal him. Now, that's important because this sets up what we're thinking here and where we're going for today. Is this man did not doubt that Jesus could heal him, but he doubted if Jesus would. Why would he question Jesus? Why would he wonder if Jesus would heal him? Obviously, as he has heard about Jesus healing many people, he has probably heard the stories and the testimonies about those who were healed, excited about the prospects of finding a solution to probably a lifelong problem, especially as maybe as an adult. He gathers his courage, he goes to Jesus, and he asks for a healing. He is even showing great respect in kneeling before him as a subject would asking for a favor from his king. Yet he questions if Jesus would do so. Why? Why is he so doubting of Jesus? The reason is really simple. is that this man was, according to the law, ceremoniously unclean. This means that he was an outcast in every sense of the word. He was not allowed to live in the villages and the towns. He was not even allowed to go into the villages and towns to buy or to work. He must remain constantly away from people with no opportunity to work or hold a job nor approach people. He is both financially and socially isolated. This was a man who was truly a man with no friends and no family. They would be dependent on the charity of others. And as you read through scriptures, you'll see this many times. Leopards would spend their times in the tombs and in the graves. They would spend their times in the desolate places. They would spend their times on the roads, always looking and trying to find money or ways in which people would donate to them, for they could not hold a job or they could not work. For not only was he leprous, but to even touch a leopard would make you ceremoniously unclean. In Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45 through 46, you may want to write this down for later reading, we see the plight of this man when it says and commands, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. In other words, he wasn't to bind it. He wasn't to comb it in any type of way. 
He was to be very visibly someone who was not to be approached. He shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. Could you imagine that? Walking around and every time you would see someone, maybe you're starving for someone to talk to, to listen, to hear maybe what's going on in the towns and village, but as soon as they come, you would have to shout, unclean, unclean only to see that person make a wide berth around you, for they wanted nothing to deal with it. That was the plight of this man. Leviticus goes on to say, not only shall yell, unclean, unclean, but he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease, he is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, you have to remember this. This is just the phrase, he shall remain outside the camp, was a very, very serious sentence and word and condemnation. To be outside the camp means to be outside of God's covenant protection. You could not be in there. You could not participate in the sanctuary worship or eventually the temple worship. You could not seek to have your sins atoned for. You could not participate in the regular doings of Israel or covenant life. This is pretty drastic, don't you think, for someone who just has leprosy? The main reason for this was protection from contagious disease and to keep it from spreading among people. Israel as God's covenant people were to remain clean. They had very detailed laws on how to handle, to inspect, and respond to those things that would contaminate them as individuals and in their houses and in those people. Leprosy in the ancient world could mean various skin diseases, including Hansen's disease, is what you and I know as leprosy today. Medicine.com defines leprosy as a disease that is caused by a bacteria which causes damage to the skin and the peripheral nervous system. The disease develops slowly from six months to 40 years. So you can imagine he is to live alone. Until he's clean, that could be his whole life. The results in skin lesions and deformities, most often affecting the cooler places of the body. The skin lesions and deformities can be very disfiguring under the reasons that affected individuals historically were considered outcasts in many cultures, including many cultures today. Human-to-human transmission is the primary source of affection. So this is a man who, though we are created as social beings, could not have any social interaction except probably with others of his same kind. This is a man with limited options who's an outcast and probably not many friends, if any friends at all. Because you can imagine any friend was really a competition for you to get charity in a land in which charity probably was very difficult to come by. But he was hesitantly asked Jesus for healing. For him to actually go before Jesus would have been wrong. You can imagine as he's coming up to Jesus and he bows before Jesus, you can almost imagine the way the people were probably starting to scatter. He wasn't coming unclean, unclean, was he not? He was saying, come, heal me, heal me. You can imagine maybe the torture and the suffering, not only physically but emotionally and mentally, spiritually that was going on in this man's life. However, what we see here in this Gospel of Mark is that Jesus responds with both compassion 
and firmness. Follow back up in verse 41. And moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Though his word was enough to heal the leper, we had seen many times already in this short chapter, long chapter, but short story, is that Jesus many times just be healed, be cleaned. But Jesus demonstrated more, much more, when he willingly and lovingly touched him. He was a king who reached out to this man who was untouchable. The one who was clean and pure, who was the very image of God, reached out to one who was diseased, not only in the spirit and soul, but in his body. He willingly and lovely touched him. Jesus shows love and mercy, as well as his power, especially when he physically makes contact with one who is not to be touched. I could almost imagine this man, as Jesus reached out to him, he probably at first would have been, don't, don't. You could hear the people saying, what is he doing? What is he doing? Why? Doesn't he know, doesn't he see what's going on with this man? Jesus himself is in danger of making himself unclean. But Jesus touches him. He placed his love and his compassion above the ceremonial law. Again, the healing is immediate and complete as the man becomes perfectly whole, not someone who begins to heal, but one as if it was never there. Think of the story of Naaman in the Old Testament who come with leprosy and had to go into the waters of Jordan, seven times dipped himself, and on the seventeenth come out as clean, by breaking the law and touching this man, Jesus shows that he has authority not over sickness, not only over the supernatural, but Jesus has authority over the law. It is not binding on him. Jesus did not become unclean at the touching of this man. He could not be contaminated by this disease that is transmitted by human contact. Jesus was not worried about this. Yet at the same time, we recognize in this passage that he did not come to abolish the law, but he directs the man to fulfill his obligations by going to the priest in order that they may confirm the miraculous healing. Again, Jesus says, go to the priest, follow through. Leviticus 13 through 14, I would encourage you, go through chapter 13 and 14 of Leviticus, and it tackles the part of leprosy. It describes the method for dealing with leprosy and for cleansing. It is very intricate and very detailed. Why don't you take your Bibles real quickly and turn with me to Leviticus 14. And let's look at what Jesus is telling this man. And I think this is important. Not only does Jesus show that he's above the ceremonial law, but again, he still tells this man to follow through with what the law demands. And I think there's a purpose for that. And I think it's a very simple purpose. Look at Leviticus 14. We're going to look at those first seven verses. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall look. The priest must go out and meet him. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, verse 4, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds, and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop, 
and the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. Verse 7. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. So a bird had to die for this man to atone for what he himself could not control. By sending the man to fulfill his duties, this priest, the priest who would now look at this man, who would examine his case, would now be giving testimony to the healing power that Jesus possessed. You remember Jesus' main enemies are going to be the religious leaders. And Jesus says, you know what? We're going to get them involved. If I'm going to heal you, not only are you going to see it, not only is everyone else going to see it, but it's going to be the priests are going to have to be involved in some way or another. And so the law declares then that he is clean. So Jesus responds with both compassion and firmness. The third thing we see, the observation, is that the leopard's disobedience, he is disobedient to the word of Christ, is the leopard's disobedience causes disruption in Jesus' plan. As we see in verse 43, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away once and said, See that you do not tell anyone. Go and do what is legally required of you to do. But the leopard's disobedience caused disruption because we see that the man went on to tell freely what happened. What's interesting is now Jesus is now driven to the isolated places like the leopards, with the exception that others went out to follow him and to search him out where the leopards would be left and forgotten. As you may remember from last week, and the reason why this is important, because just last week in Mark verse 1, verse 38, Jesus said that his mission was to preach. When he said, let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. So Jesus' plan is, okay, I'm going to heal you, but I need to go from town to town to town. But now Jesus is driven out. He's not able to continue that mission for at least a moment as the crowds force Jesus into the desolate places. The publicity of Jesus' miracle had hindered his main mission, which was to go to the towns and to preach, and it would divert the public attention from his message. It happened from time and time again. Ironically, Jesus winds up trading places with that leopard as now the leopard is now in the city and Jesus is driven out into the desolated places. Well, here's what I want us to understand. Is that we need to understand that Jesus didn't waste his time in the desert. Luke 5.16 tells us that Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray and he used this time to its max. He took this opportunity to once again come before the Father, pray for protection, pray for power, and probably to give thanks for what God is doing. It might have disrupted his plans to visit the towns to preach, but people from everywhere still searched him out. The leopard's testimony, though disobedient, was used by God to refresh Jesus and to spread his fame throughout the area. And I believe that's probably why Jesus sternly charged him, why he might have been very hard with him and said, don't tell anyone, you'll disrupt but also recognizing that God is sovereign and knew exactly what the man would do. And sometimes we need to remember that, is that we shouldn't waste whatever sickness, we shouldn't waste whatever opportunity is in our life. 
You may be having a struggle in your life. You may be going through something. But we need to recognize that these things are all in God's plans. If you're in a sickness or in a financial problem area or a relationship, don't waste that. Use that time to seek after God. Whatever area God has in your life or what season of life, don't waste that. Go to God. Second thing I'd like us to understand is that Jesus gives relief from the burden of the ceremonial law. Think for that you and I do not live under ceremonial law any longer. The first question I ask is, what's the purpose of the ceremonial law? Well, what we have to do is we need to remember when we read the ceremonial law, that we read that it's about Israel. You see, Israel was to be set apart from other nations. They were called to be holy, as Leviticus reports the command of God when he said, For I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy as I am holy. Israel was commanded to observe what was considered by God to be clean and unclean in their diet, in their garments that they wore, in the housing that they would live in, their relationships, their intimacy, and even their personal hygiene. Every facet of an Israelite's life was dictated about what they would do. Obviously, this was a high and unreasonable expectation. Reading the various laws concerning ceremony and cleanness, it would be quickly known to anyone who reads them that no one could attain the state of remaining pure and clean 24-7. It just could not be done. However, knowing this, God had put in solutions and remedies of how to respond to these, including ways to atone for their condition. Yet even those were very burdensome. In the case of this man, it was not even his fault that he had leprosy and was unclean. It was understood to be from God's hand, as God says in Leviticus, when you come into the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, and I put a case of leprosy disease in a house in the land of your possession. This man was sick from nothing that he did. Now, they didn't stop some in believing that it was a curse or evidence of sin in someone's life. We understand that this man's condition is in the hand of God. As any sickness, as any season of life, as any troubles or blessings that we have in life, we are always in God's hand. It's only God that can make one clean. Observing the law would not make one clean because you could not do it. It was physically impossible to be clean at all times. It's only God that can make one clean. And once again, this passage shows the mercy and grace of the Savior who desires to make this man ceremoniously clean, to clean him up, to allow him to enter into life. Now, he does not go on to tell us what happened with this man's life. That's not the point of the story. But we see that God is the one who makes one clean. He gives relief from the burden of the ceremonial law. The third thing I would want you to bring to your attention is that we should not doubt the goodness of God in healing. We should not doubt the goodness of God in healing. The fact that Jesus touched this man shows the wonderful grace of the incarnation. And that's important. We only think of the incarnation usually around Christmas because that's when we talk about when Jesus became man. 
But the incarnation is being shown even in this passage as Jesus is walking and talking and eating and living with these people. In our scripture reading of Exodus 33 a little bit earlier, we read that Moses was not able even to see God. He could only see his back and only see the glory of God. Forget about touching God. It could not be done. Yet in the incarnation, Paul tells us in Colossians that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You see, Jesus is our high priest who can sympathize with our our weaknesses as one who in every respect had been tempted as we are yet without sin. And unlike this man with leprosy who doubted if Jesus would heal him, Scripture tells us with confidence that you and I can draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We see a wonderful incarnational ministry of Jesus here as he reaches out and touches one who is unclean. One who will spend his entire life apart from people, outside the covenant of the people. One who could not enter in the temple. One who could not sing with others. One who may, if he had children before he had this, could not pick them up and hold them. What a very sad way to live. But I think God not only heals him here, but he does something even so much more when he reaches down and he touches him. Let me share with you, I think that's what Jesus does today. As he reaches down and he touches us. Now you and I come today, what does this mean for us? How can we take a story that you and I really just say how terrible it is? We don't live in a country where leprosy is very prevalent. We don't have outcasts, so to speak, though, to be honest, we do, do we not? Do we not have people in our society whose hair is hung down, whose clothes are torn, who walk around and we say unclean, unclean? that we treat as outcasts, who are outside the covenant of people and isolated socially and financially and emotionally. Jesus reached out to them. It's a sad fact that there are some of these biblical stories, especially this one, that are still happening in the world today. There are cultures today, I think, mainly of India, in which there are untouchables. And they may not have leprosy, they're just born into the wrong family. There are others who still have leopard colonies that must be set apart from people. It's hard for us to understand all of that here in Orange County. But I think there's something more deeply wrong with us than a physical malady. How should we respond to this man's plight and healing? First, we should take comfort in knowing that God desires to heal and to make us clean and pure. He desires to heal and to make us clean and pure. And let me tell you, you may be here today and you may be suffering from some type of physical disability, some type of physical problem, but God's desire is not only to heal that, but to make you pure and clean, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. He gives us the same command as Israel to be holy, 
Peter tells us in his first letter that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That's how God thinks about those that are his children. He says, so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Like that man who experienced a healing, we are to go freely and tell others who Jesus is and what he's done for us. He tells us, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And you and I stand and swim in that mercy this morning, do we not? So let me ask you this question. If I can have your attention, we can bring all things here. Let me ask you this question. Do you feel holy this morning? Do you feel pure, clean? Or are you like this leprous man who feels unclean and not deserving of God's grace? For I think we're like that man, not in the fact that we have leprosy, but we do not feel that we deserve God's grace. We doubt the goodness of God. Theologian Walter Wessel writes in his commentary on this passage, it is sometimes easier to believe in God's power than to believe in His mercy. Let me say that again. It is sometimes easier to believe in God's power than to believe in God's mercy. See, you and I, for the most part, believe that God heals. We believe that God is sovereign. We believe that God will accomplish His plan. We hold on to Romans 8.28 and we claim it as our own, but yet, in the same way, we still refuse or doubt Him in a way that we don't come for all things. We know that God can heal, yet we wonder if He will. We believe that we have gone too far. We have doubted His word, His promises, and His goodness. So once again, I'll bring your attention here as I ask you how many of you have leprosy of the soul? A soul so filled with scabs and scars and sores from past hurts and sins, maybe even to the point of having no feeling or numbness in your heart and in your soul. You have given up of ever feeling loved, accepted, or holy, or pure, or clean in the eyes of others or even in the eyes of God. I know I struggle with that. doesn't matter what your leprosy is. God can and God will heal. Maybe you have or are now suffering from past decisions and mistakes and sins such as past abortions, broken marriages or family relationships, addictions, bitterness, resentment, anger, financial issues, all sorts and a host of things and you yourself cannot look yourself in the eye and you feel like you say the words but yet you cannot accept the mercy of God because you feel like He will not do it. Speaking to one dear lady this week, she has said, I sometimes think God is just mad at me. It's not the God of the Bible for His children. For God loves you and desires. God looks at you and says, I will be clean. But we come hesitantly, knowing that He could, but doubting if He will. 
What's preventing you from coming before Him this morning? What are you holding on? What is it that you're not releasing? What is it that you don't want to face? In what ways are you doubting the Word of God and the promises of God? Would you come this morning imploring, saying, if you would, will you? You may think that you're all alone and that no one could ever forgive you if they knew you like you knew yourself. And I count myself among those. In those deep, dark nights of the soul when it's difficult to sleep and the enemy brings up every mistake and sin and awful thing that I did. And even as I plead them under the blood of Christ, he continues to attack and peels at that skin, peels at that sore. I have to go back and say, you know what? It's been healed. One pastor tweets that if depths of everyone's sin was made public, we would all be much more gracious to each other. You're holding back and say, I can't let them know what I'm like. I can't confess my sin to another. I cannot ask them to pray for me because if they knew that I did this or I struggled with this, they would not love me. They would not care for me. I would be an outcast. And if that's the case, then this church must disband. For we're not regenerate. For the regenerate one is one who says, come to me, I will love you. I will carry that burden. We are in this together. In our men's group, we've been learning this as we're striving imperfectedly, I should say so, to do this and to live this out. And in sharing, would you pray for me? I struggle with looking at the wrong images. Would you struggle? I, I'm not trusting God in my finances. Would you pray for me? I'm struggling at work. The reason why you and I have an experience cleanliness and purity and holy because we don't want to go to the high priest and present ourselves before him. For if we are to do so, our high priest says, it is finished. We just sung it. It is done. Amen? You're pure. You're clean. Not by any works that you've done, but because I reached out and I touched you. I will be clean. Would you do that this morning? Quit holding on to those things. And I believe this is true. If you and I would be willing to share, to go to someone else and say, I'm holding this, this burden is too heavy. I cannot carry it anymore. That you will find God's people learn to be gracious. And we need to learn to be gracious. For you and I probably would have been like many of the disciples and the other people as when that man came of spreading out. All of a sudden, they're not jockeying for good position around Jesus. But let me tell you, once that man was miraculous clean, I bet you everyone wanted to buy him dinner. Everyone wanted to hear, hey, come to my house. Let me tell you what. Many of us are holding back and confessing our sins and those things that haunt us and those things that just drag our minds down because we're afraid of what others might think or react. We have transferred then those fears of other people's reaction to God. That's the problem. If Nicole knew me as I knew me, then she would say, there's no way I could follow a man like that. And then I think, well, then God won't accept me as a man of God. See, that's how our minds work. My husband doesn't accept me. My wife doesn't accept me. So therefore, God doesn't accept me. 
You know what I'm saying is true because you've thought these things. You've heard these things. You might have cried and wept over these things. But let me tell you, Jesus promises this. Come to me, all who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls or for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me ask you, would you do so today? Would you come to Christ for cleansing? Don't doubt the goodness of God. Very head bowed and every eye closed. I'd like for you to pause for a moment. I would like for you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit for help you to consider what God's Word has said this morning and to respond in the way that He's called you to this morning. Maybe it's time to come to God. Maybe it's time to come and release and say, if you will, will you make me clean? Maybe it's time to relieve yourself of a burden that you've been carrying for a long time, either to a spouse, to someone you trust, or to God Himself. It's time to respond. Lord, cleanse me and make me pure. Father, you're so good. And Father, I need this message just as anyone else. For my nights have been sleepless, playing the film of my back and my youth and my rebellion against you. And even today, Father, to be pure and clean is so difficult. But you've promised, Lord, that you cleanse us. Father, I pray that you would just continue. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all uncleanness. We claim that this morning. If there's someone here that's struggling, Lord, I pray that you would guide their hearts towards you. Lord, if they need to relieve themselves of a burden, let them grab someone that they can trust. That person would just shower them with grace. Lord, let us be a church of grace, a church of second chances and third chances and fourth chances, recognizing, Lord, that our lives are messed up, but yet looking for the truth that there's no longer no condemnation to those that are in you. I thank you for this healing. Lord, may we never again carry the scabs and the sores that you've healed. Thank you for that. We pray this in the name of Christ. God's people said, Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.